I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the Waypoint UK podcast episode 11 for May 18th, 2017. Hopefully, we're recording this a little bit early, so hopefully the world hasn't ended between now and then. Uh, my name is Mike Divers, Senior Editor at Waypoint. I'm joined today for a bit of a special podcast, I guess, a bit of a featured game podcast, um, because why not? We like to mix it up a bit, uh, by Steve Burns. Hello, Mike. How's it going? It's going all right. You've been here before. I have. On a previous... I have been when, when, talking when, a load of nonsense to you about video games. bullshit. Yeah. I mean, that's this what we like to do, isn't I it? I mean, really? that is the industry, isn't it? That's the whole gaming I mean, industry, yeah. And uh, speaking of bullshit in the games industry, um, I, don't, I don't know. Sorry, Ed. I don't know why I said that. That's, that's why uncom- it's quite all right. It's completely unreasonable. Ed Smith is with us as well, albeit on Skype this time. You, you obviously here again... You were here again. You were here before as well, uh, a few months back, weren't you? We were talking about Wildlands and how much you really enjoyed it. Yeah, I'm still playing Wildlands. Uh, finished it, started it again, finished it and started it a third time. It's excellent. I, I, and, I, I know what you uh, mean. Yeah, I'm hoping we're going to really dedicate some time to talking about Wildlands again this episode. I think we should. I mean, of all the Ubisoft games with lots of waypoints, it's probably the best Ubisoft game with all of the waypoints, but none of the towers. But anyway... Uh, what we want to talk about today isn't uh, Ghost Recon or anything. Um, it's Max Payne 3, because on the day you're hearing this, or the day it's uh, become available anyway, it's actually the fifth anniversary of Max Payne 3 coming out uh, in the UK and other parts of the world. On the Xbox and PlayStation 3, at least anyway, there was a small delay for PC, uh, which I think Rockstar did as well with GTA, didn't they? PC version came out later as well on that. And probably, well, of course, uh, Red Dead Redemption's PC edition is... <laughs> never gonna happen um so yeah a spoiler warning right now this is a very very uh max Payne 3 exclusively max Payne 3 focused podcast so we're going to be delving into all kinds of spoilers about rockstar's game uh, the third game in the max Payne series obviously why it's good why we like it why we don't what works what doesn't you know why you should play it today or not um it's just a nice novel twist on our usual kind of magazine formula to do a more of a deep dive on one game so um max Payne 3 collectively developed and published by Rockstar. And I, I've written down in my notes, I'm not really sure which studio did what, but there's a lot of them involved. Leeds, New York, uh, Vancouver, definitely, possibly others. Um, you guys, when did this game kind of fall into your laps and, and you first took it for a spin? Uh, I got this game the day it came out. I remember it well. Well, not well, but I remember it. Um, <laughs> I hope you remember it well enough, Ed. <laughs> We're going to do a whole uh, podcast. Uh, I, yeah. 
Yeah, I, I got this game the first day it came out and uh, completed it over the, the first weekend that it was out. So, yeah, I was, I was waiting for this game and was there from the beginning. Which is always nice. I mean, I, I got it uh, at release as well. Uh, and I can't remember if I played it straight through. But I, I remember it not taking very long, although when I replayed it uh, over the last few days or over the last couple of weeks, really, on and off, it, it seemed to take a lot longer than I remember. Uh, Steve, what about yourself? Uh, so I got it... Well, I didn't... In fact, I reviewed it. So I played... So I went to Rockstar's uh, London office to have a little look at it. But not play it, you know, just have a little look at it. You weren't allowed to play it? Uh, you know what, I can't remember. It's, you know, <laughs> it's a long... I'm an old man now, so I was young That's when true. it came out. And uh, so we went there, and then I played the multiplayer there, and then I reviewed it. So had it a bit earlier, but not, not massively earlier. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I remember thinking, wow, this is both the Max Payne game that I thought it would be and definitely not the Max Payne game that I thought it would be. <laughs> I had to hold those two things in my head simultaneously, which as a games journalist is a very difficult proposition. We don't do balancing acts very no, well. No, absolutely or juggling. Not. Dissonance or... <laughs> is bad. Everything is I've good. I've heard that. I've heard that dissonance is an issue in video gaming in so many ways. Uh, but, but what I was looking into the game a little bit for my notes. Obviously, it came out in 2012. It was intended for March that year, but eventually came out in May. Take Two, who obviously own Rockstar, well, I say obviously, if you, if you know about games, you probably know that. Um, they kept moving the game back and back and back mm -hmm. originally because um, Take Two picked up the license some years prior to uh, the game uh, coming out. Yep. It was originally scheduled for 2009. Yes, it was, yeah. Which seems, that seems like quite a delay of yeah, three years. It was. I mean, do either of you know why, why, why Take-Two, why Rockstar are pushing that back? I mean, I'm trying to think what they were making at the time. Obviously, Red Dead was happening. Well, I think from various rumours, speculation, and some things that uh, some people from Rockstar have said, that... that in that period, there was issues, I think, for Rockstar. If you think that Ellie Noir, which they didn't make, but they kind of took they over, had problems. Uh, Red Dead Redemption, quite you know, famously and seriously, had a lot of issues. Mm -hmm. And I think Max Payne 3 really did have uh, quite a lot, which I don't think were actually fully sorted for release. I think the game is is like one of the best 7 out of 10s that I've ever played. And it's one of those games that just sits in my brain. And every now and then I just think of, oh, Max Payne 3, you know, that was that had some really cool stuff in it. Like other games just go in and then just immediately get flushed. Yeah, Like there are so many good games or games that you've given good scores to that you kind of just, they are good and they're competent and maybe you like them. Max Payne 3, I think because it wasn't, it didn't deliver on all the things that it was going to, apparently. Just sits there as this kind of nearly classic or this this nearly game in a lot of ways. But going back to it, you're like, man, there's some really good stuff in it, some really, really good stuff. And that's yeah, the stuff you remember. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, replaying it, I've, I've discovered a lot of that good stuff and some not-so-good stuff as Ooh. well. But, I mean, Ed, um, you wrote a piece for... Uh, I want to say pre-Waypoint uh, when it was <laughs> when it was Vice Gaming. Um, like you, your kind of take on Max Payne Three, certainly for that piece, and uh, was that it was your favourite game to bear the Rockstar badge. I mean, what? Why does this game for you stand out? I mean, I I, I guess I kind of side with Steve in so much as you know it's one of my favourite seven out of tens. You know, you can see where all the all the bits that could be improved are, but at the same time, there's something about it that sticks around. And even before this podcast was was planned in my head, I, I kept on thinking, I really want to, you know, at some point, I want to go back to that game, which which obviously, you know, shows there's something about it. So, so what is your, I guess, personal something about this game? 
Uh, I should say, first of all, that for me to say it's the the best game Rockstar has produced, in my mind, that's not enormous praise because I'm not <laughs> I'm not bowled over by a lot of their work. I think you're quite into LA Noir as well, aren't you? I mean, I, yeah, I, I but know they, again, not... they they published that, yeah. and um, yeah, Red Dead Redemption's okay, but it's it's so derivative of so many westerns, and Grand Theft Auto Five is catastrophic, and GTA Four is dead good. Um, but again, I think Max Payne 3 is better. I, I like it a lot, this game. And if we were doing a sort of Desert Island games, I would probably put it in there. But I certainly don't think it's above a good kicking. <laughs> I think part of the reason that I enjoy it is because it's also it's an enjoyable game to criticise. It's a good one to bat back and forth. It's a, an interesting game to talk about. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it's not good without, you know, uh, mitigation or, or caveat. There's a lot of things about Max Payne 3 which uh, you can you can deride quite rightly, uh, and I'd I'd like to talk about those. I think I think that the what's happened with Max Payne 3 over the last five years is that it's starting to undergo a kind of revisionist um, reappraisal. And yeah. What what can happen in those periods is that people get a little bit too uh, sort of febrile about it, and everyone wants to talk about how much better this game is than people remember. But Max Payne 3 has has got shortcomings and uh yeah they i think they're as as enjoyable to talk about as its qualities yeah i mean back in the day you know when it when it came out you, you look at the review scores it got and they were they were they're actually higher than i maybe anticipated looking back you know there's a lot of high 80s across the the three versions i mean did, do you think that level the level of praise it attracted from a lot of people is that because of the precedent set by the previous games and because of kind of Rockstar's, um, I guess, public perception, the kind of the games they put out before. Mm. Obviously, this is coming out after GTA 4, which was very, very well loved, sold a lot of copies. Do you, do you think the kind of heritage of the of the series... And, you know, you've got to remember that Remedy, while they didn't make this game, they advised on it. Remedy, of course, who, who made the first two Max Payne games. So there's a lot of... There's still plenty of old Max Payne in this game. And Rockstar, I, I, I'm struggling to think of the last time Rockstar were, you know, put out a game that was kind of critically mauled. You guys can probably help me if there's been one. I'm trying to, I can't think of one really. Was it? I don't think it was mauled. I think I gave it something like 78, which, you know, <laughs> well, that's very which is, is, is a mauling, apparently. That, well, and, yes, uh, of course. Um, but no, it, it, for me, the, I think Ed's right in, in some instances there that I think the reason why it sticks in people's brains is because of its shortcomings as much as uh, as much as how well it executes certain things. Um, yeah, I can't think of a Rockstar game really as in one that they they made and didn't just publish. I mean, didn't they? They did State of Emergency, didn't they? So, but um, but it, I think it is the one which attracted, I would say, the most criticism. And I think the reasons for those are many and varied. But uh, yeah, I, I remember thinking at the time. It was unusual for a Rockstar game, and you're speaking amongst the games press, for it to to have that much pushback. Usually, when you're playing a GTA or a Red Dead, etc., it's just you know the, a bit of a love in. Which you know, I, I really like those games. It's fine, but it was unusual at the time in that world to be like, "Have you played Max Payne 3? It's like, "Yeah, it's it's okay, but there's yeah, it's not there's some really bad bits." And then you're like, "Whoa, guys!" What's <laughs> My first, I think I'm glad it reviewed well. I think it deserved to be reviewed well, but I don't think it was. I don't think it was praised for the right reasons. And I don't think it was criticised for the right reasons. Like the game deserves a few slaps, and it also deserves, you know, like to be to be talked up. 
But I think, and I, I was, I didn't write about it because I hadn't really started working this job in 2012. It was a bit before my time. And, uh, but I can remember being infused by things that, in hindsight, I think are the less interesting parts of the game. And also being critical of things that, in hindsight, are not the game's sort of steepest problems. Um, so I'm, I'm glad that it's getting talked about again, this game, because it is, it's fascinating. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Did you both come into it, I mean, as I did with, with previous Max Payne experiences, I, I really enjoyed the second Max Aye. Payne game. I, I, I didn't get the time I should have taken with the first. It, 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 it was a little bit, I didn't get a PS2 until after Max Payne and Max Payne 2 were already out. And then I only actually played uh, Max Payne 2 because the 360 had it backwards compatible. You know, you could play a few original Xbox games on it. So I did did it that way um but i really enjoyed that obviously that's mona sax at l and and there are there are callbacks to that in max Payne 3 um but i mean did you both have prior experiences and did that help I, shape your appreciation of this game i played this the first two games substantially i think right. that first that first max Payne game is probably instrumental in getting me interested in games in the first place um in a kind of serious sense yeah i, I played the first two a lot by the time the third one came out yeah same i thought the i remember reading about the original Max Payne in Arcade magazine, and this was got to be 1999, 2000 sort of era, and it had been in the works for years, and you know it had all this kind of hype behind it, but it had a stupid name. It and, is a stupid name. Well, that we'll get onto that, but uh, yeah, it's uh, you know there was I think there was a little caption. You know, in the preview roundups, you used to get in magazines. <sighs> You know, might as well be talking about eight track now, but um, you know, so you'd, you'd put in all the all the games that were meant to be coming out, and anyone that any games that had slipped, and I did this when I became a writer on a magazine. You know, you just include an image, and it's probably the same image for six months in a row because there were no new shots. And I remember them saying something along the lines of, "Yeah, it's probably never going to come out." Um, and yeah, it did, and I remember I, I found it to be amazing, um, not just because I, I thought that the graphics were good. It, you know, it's got the square, f- it's like the golden eye square faces, but yeah. for a new generation. I mean, it's Sam Lake's it, face as well, it, which yeah. is great, isn't it? But it looked, but it wasn't just that it was good. It had, even even though you can poke holes in it, it had something really cohesive about the entire thing. It wasn't just another power fantasy. Like, he is a loser. And you're met, you know, it's a comic book. You read the comic book and you're kind of like, man. And it pokes fun at itself. There's a re- reflexivity there to the game, which I was, which I found interesting i mean it's a bit kind of like film school you know but but at the same time the game's called max Payne, and this is on a side note when people were like oh it's very verbose alan wake isn't it it's like his name's mr awake and he's got insomnia like come on now please play the game i know video game people are quite literal but you know come on yeah yeah i mean i mean Obviously, this transferred from Remedy to Rockstar. Do you think that is to Max Payne 3's benefit? Do you mean, because I don't know. Well, obviously, it's because Take Two bought the IP, um, but they could have, you know, employed Remedy to make another one. I guess Remedy at the time had just done, well, they were making Alan Wake. Yeah. During and the that another game, which was in a bit of problems. That other it was game. Fully open world, wasn't it? Like, I, like Deadly Premonition became to be. Oh, right. Uh, I uh, yeah, I think it was a good job that it switched from Remedy to somebody else. I I, I thought having played Alan Wake and then uh, Quantum Break, mm. uh, I've lost interest. I think in Remedy, and also if you play that second Max Payne game, it's good, but it, 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 it's very similar in pretty much every sense to the first. Yeah, um, it's, it's like a 
better looking version of it in many ways. Yeah, it? it's the same story retold effectively. Yeah, and it's it, yeah exactly. It's it's like thematically really consistent, and it, I still like it. And it's got a lot of really interesting little flourishes. That fun house level in the second Max oh, Payne yeah. is terrific. But um, leaving it for nine years and then transferring it to a, a different game maker gives like uh, there's a little freedom there to just sort of wrench it out and do something utterly different with it. And it's not it's not often that you get that. I don't think in games generally, or even in like movies or whatever, where they just like completely reinvent the you know the aesthetic and the setting and all that stuff and yeah I'm, I'm i'm really glad with what they what they did with it putting it in brazil and he's older and fatter and um, <laughs> i mean he's no, never they, been more of a more of a waste does he in, in, no in and the they game he's, he's he's useless well he's not useless obviously you know he manages to make it out of there but they dispose of all the all the supporting cast from the previous two games they they take it out of the night time it's a, a very kind of daylight uh set game and the, the music is very different everything about it is different it doesn't scream max Payne immediately and I, I i think that that's precisely what it needed yeah well let's let's talk about a few positives then because I know, I know we've got things that we we're hung up on i mean the whole point of this podcast really is that we we get to address like we've already said here like it's an interesting game it deserves another look and i think it's something that you know it, it's not backwards compatible it's not on new consoles but if you've got one of those older consoles then then it, it it's so cheap like it's two pound fifty, and the in, PC version still looks amazing. The PC version looks amazing. Incredible. I mean, I played through on the three hundred and sixty. It's still, you know, it, it's a bit stiff. Some of the backgrounds are fuzzy, but generally it, it holds up pretty it looked, well. I think it looked great at the time, yeah. and like I said, the PC version. I played it this morning before I attempted to get somewhere in London, which was a mistake. But that's an aside. And uh, yeah, it's it's absolutely fantastic in its look. But, uh, but to pick up, it's probably about you know talking about its aesthetic. And, you know, and by that, don't just mean like how it looks, but everything else associated with that term. Yeah, it's, it is incredibly consistent. And one of the things that I think it got sledged for a little bit, but actually now with the benefit of hindsight playing it again, is that it's actually an incredibly funny game. Um, it knows because it's, it plays up to the fact that it is a game. Yeah, I thought that the reason why I wasn't too up on it at the time um, well, one of the reasons is I felt that they kind of Rockstar kind of lost that Max Payne edge. Like it's called Max Payne, and you know there was I didn't find it. It, it felt a bit too self-involved for me, and it felt like they'd seen Man on Fire, which obviously they had. Uh, it is Man it. on Fire. It is. I mean, you know, it's a Tony Scott production. Do you really think so? Do you really well, think? Well, so? in a, in a in a superficial things that happen sense i think the influence the influence is definitely well, there, in, isn't it in terms of how it lifts some of the looks and some of the screen furniture yeah. and some of that Mexico however city and yeah but, sao paulo kind of thing yeah. however in terms of it actually being like man on fire man on fire uh, the scott version is uh you know he's redeemed you know the increase is redeemed by his relationship with the person in his charge however in Max Payne, and this is the thing that I really like about it, Max Payne 3, is that he is he is fucking useless. He is useless. And any time that he tries to do anything positive, it turns into a world of shit. And he, But he knows that. So there's this thing going on in his brain where he's like, why can't... He wants in some way to not be the man he is. But he only accepts to go to Brazil because he's killed the local mob boss's son. He's not out for anything. And he's uh, any man on fire... 
uh, after he teaches, you know, Dakota Fanning to swim, then and she gets taken, <laughs> then he has a reason to live. I don't think Max Payne has a reason to live. He he just he pr- exists. Yeah, I mean, toward the the back third of the game is entirely him, pretty much trying to kill himself, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And he talks about Fabiana. Yeah. Um, after the head of the Brancos is killed um, in the office, yeah, and he's like. And there's a lovely moment where he picks up her picture as he's trying to get a bottle of Jack Daniels out. And it's yeah. like, oh, well, if, if I could just save her, then drops the picture and then gets exploded out of a window. And that is the Max Payne story in like three, <laughs> three, three movements of the human yeah. body. Well, if that was the comic, you know, the old comic strip way of doing it, that would be three frames, wouldn't it? Three yeah, of those little exactly. ding, 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 bong, out you go. Um, I mean, Ed, do you want to pick up on any, I don't know, I aesthetic think- or, or plotline influences from elsewhere then? They've definitely stolen the Tony Scott, the way that he edited Man on Fire. Um, and I think it's to Max Payne 3's detriment. Those cutscenes are, are a little bit hysterical. They, they're um, a bit over the top, aren't they? To yeah, say there the are least. too yeah, many they... cuts within cuts. The words on the screen don't really give you much. That sort of washed out uh, kind of reverb effect he puts on some of the... Uh, Rockstar puts on some of the images. Just, uh, it's distracting more than anything and like a, an affectation. Uh, Man on Fire is a really boring film. Whereas Max Payne 3 is a really exciting game. So I, I'm glad that they left it. I'm glad that they left Man on Fire at a certain point. But you do have that kind of fish out of water, you know, American in the in the sort of, you know, what the film would describe and what the game would describe, the kind of savagery of South America. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I, I can see, uh, you know, it's, it's certainly uh, in line with Rockstar's kind of MO to start with a film and then, build a game out of there um <laughs> i think steve is is that's a really well observed uh look at that scene with the the picture frame in the in the office and max is a a, a fun character to be around despite his best efforts because you're you are aware that he keeps messing this up and in every almost at every level in max Payne three begins with like a stated objective uh, protect the girls while they go nightclubbing, hand off the money at the stadium, rescue Fabiana, <laughs> rescue Fabiana from the dock, or even just in that fourth level, go and have a drink at a bar in New Jersey. And every, <laughs> without and, without and every, murdering everyone. Yeah. Exactly. And, and every single time he says like something, or the game says, this is what's going to happen. The opposite happens and it, and it gets much worse. And, you know, in a, in a popular culture, I think that's often uh, rife with, films where and games where men say they're going to do something and then they do it. Max Payne 3 is a kind of a, a notable exception. Um, but yeah, like you were talking about, I think, I think Mike and Steve, I think you both mentioned this. It's a, it's also like a funny game and it, it becomes a sort of like circus just to see like how self-pitying Max Payne can get. <laughs> Cause he, he's so, like, there's such an hypocrisy in him in, in as much as he's amazingly skilled, like huge, like six foot five, you know, 230 pound guy. He seems to get who, bigger as the game goes through as well. As I, don't, I, I genuinely noticed this. Best, yeah. Yeah, when he, the at the end, when the he's best, Bruce Willis, he, he, <laughs> yeah. he, he's huge. He's huge and he's like capable and, and fierce and all of this stuff, but also such a kind of, you know, violin player. And hmm. he plays the piano, doesn't he? At least, <laughs> oh <Well>, yeah, <laughs> little little Easter eggy bits, yeah. And I, I've I've never I don't think I've ever quite managed to articulate even to myself precisely what it is about that that uh, helps him be compelling. But just watching Max Payne three 
fuck things up and then complain <laughs> is mm. entertaining. It's. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. There is. There's something there, and I think after decades of of power fantasy. Um, I'm wearing a bandana and I've got a chainsaw on the gun. And hey, listen, I like that first game. But, you know, there is no there is no reflection in, in a lot of uh, video game action heroes because the only uh, thing that they want to elicit really is, you know, I'm the man. Whereas there is that, that thing with Max Payne where you... Some of his responses are not proportional. When he shoots the mob boss's son in the chest for like because he hits the woman with the gun, that is not a proportional response. That is the man on the edge from the you know from the tagline. Um, and then he immediately says, "Why did I do that?" And so mm. the you know there are and I think as well right at the end of each stage or sorry each scene as you might call it where you get the slow-mo where you can just keep pumping bullets into people until you actually feel you know especially as i said pc version that is grotesque and then and then you're into a cutscene where he goes fuck and you're like oh and there is a reflection period in almost everything that you do in it and the game he he keeps on scrabbling around in the dirt for this meaning in his life and the only thing that he's really good at is killing people and he hates it <laughs> I think I I think that this is it. I think you've you've broken its back because what happens in a game like say Uncharted or or Red Dead Redemption where we're sort of informed tacitly that we're supposed to be uh, interested in the in the protagonist and his psychology and I emphasise his psychology mm. um, is you end up with these characters that are are they're not morally uncomplicated in the sense that they always get like some soliloquy at some point where they, you know, talk about, Oh God, isn't it terrible what I do? Oh, am I really Nathan Drake? Or blah, blah, blah. And they always get like that moment, but it's kind of artificial and it's been placed there deliberately. And it, 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 it feels kind of um, like grandiloquent and, and strained a little bit. Whereas what you've got with Max Payne three is you've got this guy who goes around, albeit in our control, goes around doing the things that you typically expect from a bloke in a game to do kill people and and etc and cause explosions and run rampage and then every single time he he worries about it he's like what 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 am i doing it is he sort of acknowledges <laughs> acknowledges the sort of absurdity of the situation yeah. that he's creating not just the situation he's in the situation he's creating and it's that kind of it's like a the comedy of video games almost like the comedy of action films watching a guy shoot people and then he like us thinking what the fuck? Yeah, it's almost like um, the addiction element for Max Payne, in especially in this one, is that uh, you know, in in terms of how people who have an addiction uh, that they they can maybe they'll go clean or they won't do the thing, and this can be an addiction to anything. It's not just the standard vices or things that you know maybe you shouldn't be doing or up to, and then once they do it. They, they want to do it. They feel that they have to do it. And then they get the bit of, they get the immediate kind of remorse or some of them do. And Max Payne has a lot of remorse in him, which makes him more interesting, as you're saying there, than just the usual man rides into town, shoots up the saloon and goes, yeah, but look, I was forced into it because my wife was killed. It's like Max yeah. Payne makes it very clear that his family were killed a long time ago and he should actually make some positive steps as much as he can, but he just can't. And, yeah. he, and it's secretly, I think deep down in it, he actually realizes think, he's really good at it. I think There's that's a, to... Ma oh, sorry, Ed. But I was going to say, I think that's to Max Payne's credit that this, the writers 
don't make too big a deal of the family death. He mentions it like once yeah. in a flashback on a boat. Obviously, one yeah. scene starts <laughs> where he's sitting in, in the front a cemetery. Looking terrible, <laughs> uh, you know. But like, it would have been very easy for the new writers here to go right. Okay, like you say, it's been that amount of time. People probably haven't played the first game. They're not really aware of what's what's kind of kickstarted Max's character as we see it here. But they, they, I think they underplay it, and I think that's to the the story such as it is in this game's credit, which I don't think is a particularly strong story, but I, I think they could have made Max into more of a, a cliche than, than he ultimately is in this game. Yeah. Anyway, Ed, sorry, I spoke over you then. There's a bit in the first game when Max is uh, forced to imbibe drugs and starts hallucinating, and he has this sort of snap, trippy realisation where he kind of looks into the camera and says, I'm in a video game, like that. <laughs> and... Uh, Steve, what you were just saying about how you, you get these characters and their, their excuses, like, oh, I was forced into it, something terrible happened in my past, etc. I do feel like that, that it's so right that Max, Max Payne feels like he is, in some instances, trying to stay out of trouble, but it always arrives. And it's like Max Payne is getting on just fine, and then the video game like shows up, it like arrives to wherever he is. If he's mm. in a bar, like the video game arrives and starts kicking off and he has to respond uh and that is you know it's hinted at in that first game when he sort of acknowledges that he's in the game is in, in in the second game the fun house thing that we mentioned earlier which is this kind of like grotesque reflection of everything that's happened to him in his past even though it's meant to be from an old television program mm. and it is it is like yeah max is kind of painfully aware of almost there's something like artificial about his existence that he can't escape out of um I mean, I'm I'm I, I'm always slightly turned off by like metatextual and like postmodern analysis <laughs> of things because it's I think that any anyone who starts talking about oh this is how this is how the films really work or this is how fiction really works is because they've run out of anything else to say. But Max Payne three makes a really good fist of it by uh, yeah having this guy who does all the typical video game guy stuff and then wonders how on earth he's gotten into it in the first place. That's why it's a funny game, I think. Mm. And do we think the? I mean, in terms of, you kind of touched upon it there, Ed. I mean, in terms of like the way that games tell stories, obviously there was a thing recently by you know the internet kind of the the, the, the well games Twitter went a bit mental recently over the again you know about games <laughs> and stories and stories and games. I mean, do do we enjoy this story of this kind of fucked up failure of a of a you know very very big air quotes hero. You know, he's kind of does your standard shit, but not in the standard way. And, you know, there's there's not there's not even a happy ending at the end of this, really. I don't look at the ending of Max Payne 3 and think, well, you know, he's I, made it, he's contented. I think he's fucking bored. There's a, sl- and, there's a couple of uplifting moments at the end because he, he doesn't kill the final villain, he just he injures him. And that's the sort of, that's but, a kind of moment well, of restraint for Max. For this guy who's like been... And then he dies anyway. But yeah, still. I was going to say he. And there's a guy before him, isn't there, Becker? Who I mean, this, yeah, this is a this yeah. is a problem with the story in so much as you know, your your kind of end boss is someone who the game has given barely a, a shit about for the longest time until sort of the last hour. And oh, by the way, that's him. He's the bad that, guy. But I mean, there's an option, isn't there, at the end, whether you execute the guy or leave him to die. I'm, I'm curious I, whether you what you guys did oh execute him it's not oh, big film. time yeah, blood, i didn't blood, blood. he had to go when he was dead the, already but yeah. you know the the thing about the story of max Payne three is yeah we can sit here and talk about oh it's great that yeah like max max is a, a sort of sly recasting of the male hero in games but the story is like overwritten and and undercooked 
and confusing for for no reason. Not it, gets, you know, not, it seems to be going pretty straightforwardly up you know yeah. the whole kind of like with the, with the protecting the family i mean we haven't really sketched out the story for people at home or people listening but you know ba- basically max fucks up in new jersey kills a, a mob boss's son gets whisked off to brazil uh where he takes up private kind of bodyguard work for a for yeah. a very rich family and it turns out one member of that family is kind of double crossing all the others trying to bump them off to get some money and anyway, and so he's protecting them and they keep fucking getting kidnapped. And then Fabiana, the daughter, or the, the, the sister, daughter, wife, the, yeah, wife, the wife of wife one of them the... dies. And then another brother dies horribly in a... Marcelo, in a, is it? In, uh, yeah. In the, one, of the, one of the most affecting death scenes. And it's one that I, mean, I don't think about it regularly because I try not to think about people <laughs> getting uh, tires piled up to their yes. necks. And then, but in a, it's a game... It's a game of very gruesome elements in, you know, like I said, at the but end not, of every shootout. But they're not, like, laboriously focused on. Well, and, he's, yeah, and, but but they've also, nicked it. They've nicked that death scene from a film called Elite Squad. Which, a, did that not a, come bundled with the game in some places? <laughs> I'm sure I read that. Like It was, but, uh, like, it was uh, I think it was a Brazilian made or Brazilian finance yeah. film. I can't remember the, the, the name of it in Portuguese, so I apologise, but it was called Elite Squad over here. And, yeah, they've, they've nicked that scene word for word well I, I guess at least rockstar i've got the common courtesy to say yeah we we stole that and by the way you guys should watch this <laughs> well, film if, if rockstar shipped its games with copies of every film that it was influenced by you'd get like a carrier bag yeah it'd have to come with another you know diy shelving unit with a every box game or something. Set, yeah, yeah. But, but with max um well another thing that you don't really realize or well you know you might think it but it's confirmed towards the end is that Yes, he is uh, a drunk, and yes, he has various problems in his life, and yes, he fails in a lot of the stuff that he does, but also he's he's being constantly undermined, not just by himself, but by other agents, and you don't you don't really get that, or you don't really the the full extent of that to, in, until the end. I think it's until actually when you go to the Brancos. Uh, office building you have that big shootout and you realize that the only person who could have got in killed the man you're protecting knew the code to the helipad on the outside so you know then and then it's a bit like victor is obviously the big bad and such but with uh, the younger brother the younger brother his line in the office uh, about 20 minutes before that when he says, why can't, a paraphrase, why can't people, just because we've got loads of money, why can't they let us just live and have fun? And yeah. he's a lot younger than the other brothers. Yes, and then he so he's, he's actively probably the most innocent of them. Well, well definitely. He's the biggest idiot, isn't he? Yeah, and he is just, you know, he is a useful idiot to the people that want his family dead. And then so the thing that happens to him, his entire life is based around looks and you know partying and being the party boy and he's always wearing all this you know very ghastly but expensive stuff which you know it's all all visual so to see him get flambéed is is something that when i see him in the game when i'm replaying it i'm always like oh every time i see his jumper i'm like oh because just it's man-made fibers is it it's gonna it's gonna gonna go bad for you mate um but it's i mean in terms in terms of its presentation you know it it definitely doesn't shy away from gruesomeness but at the same time i don't think it's overly um gratuitous with it as well or not like you know it does it doesn't like someone someone tweeted in we've got a bunch of tweets for later if we get time and says about like how it's got one of the goriest kind of or the most violent endings of a game but but people don't talk about it very much i guess it's because 
you know, when Becker gets, he gets blown up by like a rocket of his own making and he he, he loses an arm and he's all burnt up on one side and stuff. But, you know... Is that any more violent than chainsawing things to death? Well, no, of course it's not. But it, it doesn't, it doesn't linger on it as much as it should. And like you say, like, or like we said earlier on, like when you get this option to kill him, to put a bullet in his head, there's not even a prompt. Mm. It's just, you just see your little target over his head. And if you press the trigger, boom, he's dead. But like the game doesn't give you one of these kind of like quantic dream style, like (laughs) either or situations, like let it, you know, execute or, uh, or, you know, let him, let him kind of bleed out and, and die. I mean, in terms of the kind of, you know, it connects to the story, of course, the way the story is presented. I mean, Ed, Steve, I mean, is there, is there any good thing about it? You've already said about the cuts. Oh yeah. The cutscenes. It's not that they go on a lot, but they're a little bit too busy. Maybe there's a you know like the, the style yeah. of them is a little bit too it, it overegs itself a bit. I think the story is nonsense and <laughs> uh, it convol- convoluted as opposed to complicated. And um, yeah. the the scenes it's definitely between too long. Yeah, it's definitely too long. The the scenes between Max and Passos are quite good. They've got a good dynamic. But the scenes yeah. between Max and the the detective, uh, I think his name is Wilson. Well, he's barely introduced. This is another oh, he's, problem he's, in the end of the game. You know, it's like it's like they've had to staple another few hours of game on because the script didn't. You know, after after Fabiana dies, and they and once you realise who the the the, the Branco bad guy is, they go, like, "Oh shit, we better manipulate this in such a way so you get another three hours of shooting." They do this. I I feel like the, you know this might be not, not excuse me. This might not be true, but it's certainly how the the, the game sounds. Is you get the sense that they have some good what they think are good lines of dialogue some some great like one-liners or or just nice bits of cadence that they want to use and then they write scenes around them so you get these really strange like non sequiturs in max Payne three and um dialogue that you can really kind of like hear falling down the stairs like it's really like clunky (laughs) and um yeah you can really see the script really like hear the script and all the scenes in Max Payne 3. It's not a, it's not a game that flows very, it's not like easy on the ears as it were, dialogue wise. Yeah. I, 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 I'm always, I, I like the Marcelo death scene because it's, it is, it's, it's nasty, but in a kind of, in a way that like the death of a Bond villain is really nasty. It's, kind of like, <laughs> it's like nasty where the sort of like, you've got like a bit of a snarl. Like, yeah, that's fucked up. <laughs> um, I, I can't personally get too serious about like, the intricacies of the plot because it, to me it's it's almost beside the point. I wish the game was better written. I wouldn't let them off for like having a bad plot. But I, the the thrill of this game uh, is sort of raw, and the thrill of that game is isn't like it being just grotesque and bold and painting with broad strokes and just fucking more guns, more music, more sweat, and more death. And that that's that's what is good about Max Payne Three and. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I feel like almost if I kind of intellectualize the story too much, it's doing the game a favor because the game is the, the story isn't that intellectual. The story isn't is like really passe. Um, yeah, but I so, think its yeah, best the, moments, you're right, are in um, some of its dialogue when it's trying to get you know you know it's like oh this is the big idea for the scene uh, is not great, but some of the some of the passing dialogue. Uh, I think when was it Passos turns up in New York and says, "I've got the you know I've got the perfect job for you," and Max is just uh, when the is just says something like, "What well, sitting around getting drunk and feeling sorry for myself?" You know, like oh, you know it, it's that. But then when it's like this grandstanding, and then towards the end of the game when you realise that 
Victor's big thing is like selling people's organs. You know, the game doesn't need I, that. There's I enough. I played this last night and I'd already <laughs> forgotten about that bit. The, you know what? And you go into that hot, like, and you go into that building. It's about five minutes of the game's time. It's like, oh, by the way, there's this organ selling something. Yeah. And there's that, you know, that kind of like cool in a very, you know, action movie way where he puts the, the bottle the plastic bottle on the yes, end of his gun. The silencer, a silencer. Which I mean, that works. It doesn't work. But you know, he's, he, but I think Ed's right when you talk about the, the griminess of it. And I think what they do really well in it is that they, they change his, not just his look, but they change his outfit and they change it in a way that actually to me may, makes clear how uncomfortable he is. So when he turns up in Brazil and he's wearing that suit, proper close protection look like you know very flashy i'm the bad guy's bad guy um and he just it feels like it's making his skin crawl while he's in it and then there's a bit later on and these this is a smaller bit where he's in brazil um just before he goes to favelas and he's wearing what i think is a new watch and it looks like it's meant to be like a Rolex Daytona and it costs a lot of money. And it's just the sort of thing that someone who was a bodyguard to a rich man would buy. You'd buy because they get paid a lot of money yeah. and you buy the trink because there's nothing else well, to spend Well, you don't know what on. to do with the money, yeah. Because yeah. you know, he lives in squalor, right? This exactly. What, and but shown, yeah. for him to have this watch says something about, to me, and it is very deliberate, like Rockstar, you know, for all their faults, they, they, there are reasons for this. And then the fact that that watch gets nicked later on, yes. <laughs> just to me, you know, that's a tiny little bit about the characters. And they think they did the, the dressing of Max really well. Because if I think if they'd started at the start, he's in Hoboken, he's dressed as Max Payne. It wouldn't have had as much effect as when you go, oh, he's back, and now we can see how he looks. And then at the end, he's just wearing a vest, and he's fat, and he's bald, yeah. and he's knackered, and beard, and whatever. I think that's absolutely right, and I think that the way he uh, he the, the way you control Max, he he's really sluggish to move around, and you you get a they they put some sort of weight on the movement, and he he does feel like you're sort of turning this this quite slow, slightly drunk old heavy man around <laughs> these levels, and that that. It, it rhymes so well, like with what with what you just said, Steve, about his clothes. He does. He he looks like he he really is an ill fit in all of these environments. Uh, you know, literally, metaphorically, blah blah blah. And it, it's in everything. It is. It's in, it's in the outfit. It's in the fact there's no subtitles for the Portuguese. It's in the mm. fact that he yeah he moves really really slowly. Um, and then all all the other things like uh, if you hit the painkiller, you know, the sort of basically the health kit, the medikit button. He has to like physically tip them into his mouth you know the reloads are sort of quite laborious and there's things scattered around bullet casings and, and empty clips and all the sort of detritus of all these shootouts is mm. it's left there and that's interesting great... actually yeah when he does toss a clip away it stays there which i didn't notice until there. the second and playthrough yeah if you switch to a shotgun he has to carry it in his other hand whilst he uses i love the i love that and, but, but, but it's inconsistent in the cutscenes. sometimes it's there it, and it sometimes it sometimes, disappears yeah. but it, it it reflects i think absolutely that <laughs> kind of effort that Max is having to put in through the whole game. He can't just neatly took a shotgun into like invisibility. Like yeah. Game yeah. Program. He goes into the arm. Yeah. yeah he's, he's like, he's, he's kind of just, the whole game feels vaguely out of breath. And that's helped a lot. <laughs> it's helped a lot by, you know, the kind of tribal drums on the soundtrack and um, him constantly, constantly, like every single level is like an escape from somewhere or he's trying to chase someone. Hmm. And there's just always this sense of being fucking like, exhausted. And that's what 
gives the shootouts a bit of like fucking bite and traction because shootouts are so often breezy. Yeah. You know, one button to get in cover, one button to aim, and it feels very sort of methodical and oiled. And in Max Payne 3, everything just kind of feeds into this one moment where you're shooting a gun and it all feels very sort of heavy and slow and unpredictable. And that's why, I don't know, it's really pops like, the entire thing. Well, let's let's talk shooting then, because it's a game about shooting in many in many respects. I mean, that is pretty much most of the things you're making Max Payne do when you're not, you know, in the quiet moments when you're doing that video game thing of scanning for various collectibles and you know pressing E or whatever, press to Y at, to look at a tombstone. Yeah, kind of bullshit. <laughs> um, but I mean, it, I, I remember. It, I'm pretty sure when it came out, it was this idea that like it was this revolutionary kind of style shooter, and obviously it was it brings bullet time from the previous Max Payne's. I mean, but but I'm with you, Ed, in terms of like, I was surprised playing it again at just how kind of ungainly some of it is. Mm-hmm. Like the, the shooting is, is it gets very wild very quickly and, you know, Max doesn't stand up to a lot of, <laughs> to a lot of pain at all. You know, he, you know a, a, a few, a few shots and, and he's down, you know, he is a dude after all. He's not, he never once straps on some body armor or anything. You know, it's not like you run over a vest and he magically gets stronger. And there, and, I, I, there is one moment of that. The is there body station. armor? Is there? Yeah, yeah. It's it's an optional thing you can collect in the police I've station. I've never, but, well, I've not found that. Never. But he makes a big effort to find it and put it on and zip it up, and yeah, it's still there. But his vulnerability is still there when he's got the body armor. On. Right. So if you okay. take a headshot, you just essentially die. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You're you're still right. It's still true. He's he's weak. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I I was I was surprised. I, I again first playthrough. I I remember the cutscenes. I remember bits of the story. By the time I'd finished the second one, you know, you look in the grinds in the stats, and I'd killed over two and a half thousand people. Yeah, in, in in two like in about that's about what 15, 16 hours of playing a video game. <laughs> that's a big body count, isn't it? Yeah, I, I think with the shooting, there are so there are moments in it, and I think it's the way that some of the stages are set up. They are so good in the. Uh, the level of destructibility. And when, you know, I'm not talking about levolution. I'm talking about when you just start firing a Mac 10 and spraying it. And then suddenly like bits of paper are coming off of desks and, you know, CRT or LCD is just flying everywhere. And, you know, you're shooting through bits of cubicle and it has, there's so, so punchy. And when you, to use an overused term, but it really is. And when you, when you kill people, they they just they stay hit to use the football parts. They get hit and stay hit. Yeah. And their AI, it's not amazing in terms of they flank you quite well. But if you play it a lot, you see that when you start firing, they don't just duck into cover. They kind of flinch. So I shot a guy's gun earlier and he flinched. And even if you're just like spraying over the top without looking down the side, like they kind of like duck and they use their shoulders to roll their like head out of the way before they get out of there. And there's tons of tiny little things like that which make it feel so good and i think on first glance you can't unless you play it quite a lot you don't necessarily see all of that but i do think that the character's heaviness is actually i'd like the fact that he's kind of ungainly but i do think that the game is too difficult even on uh, on medium and i think that he moves in kind of like a like a box you know he yeah. moves, he doesn't move doesn't like tank, turn tanky. yeah he kind of moves yeah. around a point in it and there's just i think there's too many deaths from that because because of the way he moves but still i do love the shooting and sometimes when you're running around an office with one handing 
you know, a, a machine pistol and everyone goes down and you're like, man, this is the greatest game anyone's ever made. <laughs> I was having that yeah. office set is just wonderful. The, yeah. The, the, the Branco's that, office, yeah. Yeah. In the, the first shootout in that set and he sort of tells the, the young receptionist and the, the computer expert, says, you know, get behind the desk, don't open the door. And he just kicks that door open and runs out and the cutscene you know, flows immediately into you playing yeah. it. Yeah. And they they've all smashed in through the windows, got this huge and it's that's that's fucking how it's done. You know I mean? The way he runs in it. as well, I think you're right, Ed, that, that really struck me on my replay, is that, you know, when he says to the computer guy, he's like, right, stay here. And then he doesn't just poke his head round. He just, it's almost like, fuck Streams this. in. And yeah, just yeah, like yeah. kicks the door open and just levers his way through it. And, you know, I think it's those kind of, you know, if to use the fucking Maxim action as character, like it's like he's finally had enough and now he's back to doing what he like. He in those moments, he kind of knows exactly what he's about. And a friend of mine, it. a friend of mine had a bit of a theory on that, and he said that uh, in Max Payne 3, you're playing as a character who's not actively but almost suicidal, so you're mm. meant to play the gunfights in the same vein and just just run in. And like just be just be brazen about yeah, it. Yeah, but when I played it, anyway. Christ, you know, I know, you, but you to, <laughs> it doesn't last long if you try and play it that way. I don't think that the the cover shooter element helps it, and I think one of the things that I really like from Max Payne Two is that the more you kill, the faster you get, and that I think that works better for two. I'm not sure it would work amazingly well for three. It hasn't a. It does have an adrenaline system, is it? They call it. Was what? that just multiplayer? In, no, it's that's in multiplayer, one. I believe. Yeah. Uh, but in, it's very obvious in Max Payne Two. Like I think the screen gets yellower, and it's like that. They from the old, uh, well, the PS2 Shinobi game. Like more kills you get, the faster you get, until everyone just drops around you, uh, and the and the gunfight ends. But I think it sometimes Max Payne Three really falls between two stalls, and that why is you know. The, it's at its best when you're running in and, you know, kind of, and the animation looks so good when he's got a trailing arm and a, a pistol behind him and you're, you know, ducking into behind stuff. But then it's like the actually easiest way to play and the most effective way to play is to hit Q or whatever and go into cover and then just free aim. And I don't know, it's an uneasy alliance between getting a cover shooter element in there, yeah. but you've also got bullet time. I mean, it, it gives you the dodge, the, what's it called? Bullet shoot dodge, dodge, right? Shoot dodge which, you know, it tallies how long you've spent in it yeah. and everything I mean, that's great. Um, but I mean, it goes back to the weight of the character, I suppose. The shoot dodge in Max Payne 3 where he kind of launches himself. And smash your head into something. <laughs> he's fucking decks himself on stuff. It's quite, you know, it's accidental comedy in a lot of ways. I mean, I saw a video in, of, of it and I immediately did it when I got there. In the, in the kind of final stage, which is in an airport where you're chasing down uh, Victor Branco before he gets on his uh, plane and, 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 and escapes, uh, you, you can just slide down the middle of escalators to shoot <laughs> dodge your way onto the middle of the escalators. He slides right down, lands sprayed out on the yeah. floor, you know, just like just like a, like a fat old drunk man. You know, which is exactly <laughs> like, what Like is. us later on. Like, <laughs> like, like, well, like us most most evenings. I'm sure well, Ed, Ed doesn't drink. Ed's a, Ed's a good boy. But um, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you, we've mentioned the office thing now. I just mentioned the airport. Um, I mean, it, it's a game where, you know, it has a lot of flashbacks. It goes back to New York, to New Jersey. It, it, there's a whole, quite a long section in Panama, which is a flashback yeah, like um, on a, in the Panama Canal. I mean, do we do we have favorites between us? Places, times where you think, you know, that, that that's where the game is at its best for either because of the, you know, the moment-to-moment action or because of the environment it's in or the combination of both? It's hard to choose. I think there are so many... 
And it's hard to choose, not because I don't think there's one level in Max Payne 3 that's definitive, but every every single one has got like a sequence. And it, it's hard to pick which has got the strongest sequence or a couple of sequences. So I really like the, the first level in the favela and you have the shootout in this uh, sort of very unattractive looking strip club. And then, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, <laughs> which is a really, really, really horrible section. And then uh, the rest of that level was, was great as well. But then you've also got the aforementioned level in Panama, which has got some of the, the best music in the game. And also this terrific sense of what the fuck is going on because Max sort of wakes up from a, a drunken stupor to find yeah, out that people yeah. have arrived. And there's a, there's a sort of mystery in that level that you don't get in any of the others. Well, that's then, what he's working out who Passos is effectively, isn't he? Yeah. yeah, that's... that's, that's Passos the, is his partner, ostensibly his partner at the start mm. of the game. But yeah, he, it turns out that he's not all he's cracked up to be. But, um, and then and then the police station, which I think is probably my favourite uh, for reasons, again, that I've, I've struggled to articulate. There's something about this game that, that almost like belies uh, words and not, not in the sense that it's so good you can't put it into words. It's just like there's a, <laughs> there's a, there's a sense in it that I can't quite yet uh, reduce into words. Um, but I the love police, the, oh, sorry, Karen. police station. Sorry. That's no, okay. Uh, yeah, the police station, I think... Um, you know what I think when I about Max Payne is that it's doors. Now that sounds like a mental thing to just be like it's doors, like but if, especially in the police station. Now there's been a lot of police station shootouts in cinema and and games, and um, a lot of them just feel like offices where the police might may be. But as you get deeper into that, uh, so every you know you go a lot of the cutscenes are done on doors. There's reasons for that, like technically, but. I love that any time that Max like enters the next, like he's wearied and the police station just gets grimmer and grimmer from its top floor, which is respectable essentially. And every time he opens a door, things seem to get worse and worse. And it's a, that is a far cry from one of, uh, well, he ends up in the morgue, doesn't he? Yeah. And then no, wait, in, that's, the, in that's the cells, the cemetery, yeah. he ends up in the cells and all of that. And f- uh, when you consider the, the glitz and the glam of, I love the opening stages uh, you know when he jumps onto like the awning and shoots the guy and lands up in the water feature. He lands in the pool, and then he Passos yeah. says something like, um, "Do you need help?" Uh, and Max is just like, "No, do you?" And then takes his gun, slicks his hair, and just. But it's not like a cool thing. It's just in a very pissed off dad voice. Like, <laughs> and then in the club, which follows that that moment in the in the VIP area and then there's a DJ that's the ki- it's a kidnapping isn't it just it's, before it's, the it's kidnapping the, yeah, yeah. I mean the bit that follows it where you're in the kind of like top of the top of the building I don't really like yeah, but it ends up with a helicopter you, you, there's you're a few rail shooter shooting moments the, aren't there but the police station is I think the, the favela is a moment where you know if you wanted to call it such like the heart of darkness like he has to go into it and you know he has to make because he's tr- he's making the journey there that he's been threatening for a while. But the police station just seems so otherworldly in its what is why am I here now? How has this happened? And then yeah, you, you find that body armor. In, mate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you find the body armor, and he's like, oh, I didn't. I don't like he doesn't I just go zip. He's like, as Ed's like, he's like oh, do I have to put this on now? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the, the, I just think that the game. I think it's right that the story is just as soon as you get anywhere near that that building, it's like hostel or saw or whatever, where they're harvesting the organs. It's, it's like, an old hotel, isn't it? You're yeah. Like, yeah, you're getting away from really what I really loved about the game, and there's just too many twists and turns. 
It just, I mean, the, as it says, the thing about him is he's just fucking knackered. Like, he doesn't need organ harvesting. That's no, not, you know. This is, this is making a bad day worse right now, isn't it? Or, or maybe, yeah, it's, it's, uh, I mean, he, he says, I'm, I'm sure there's some quotes I can't remember. Obviously, I can't remember that he says something about, like, you know, this is a day that started lying in shit. Yeah. Know, in piss and shit. Because, like, he's in there. That's where he sees, uh, what's his name? The, the Marcelo uh, is dead and he hides with Passos's girlfriend, yeah. wife to yeah. be, who is the sister of Fabiana. It's not a very complicated relationship, but I'm just trying to remember it. Yeah. Last night. But yeah, he, like, he, so like, they kind of duck down. And uh, weirdly, that's. So Max actually does get a rest. He has a little rest in the middle of this game. Yeah. Lie down for yes, a few hours. Yeah, he has a little sleep. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, I I think that there's the, one of the things about the police station level is it there's a there's a sort of severity in there because you're not just fighting gangsters anymore. It's against the police, mm. and it's like we've really kind of we've we've gone over the top here. Like the the, the jug is tipped because now Max is killing police officers, albeit corrupt ones. Mm. Uh, well, are they, they corrupt? You know, are they? There's there's no way back from this. You know what I mean? It's it's when he kind of crossed the crossed the threshold. Um, I mean, he's doing that, again what he did in New Jersey, right? Where he has to leave. Like he's now putting himself in position. He can stay. He can't here. stay here ever. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, he, he's basically shooting his way into exile with this level. <laughs> um, and then the another great level that I think doesn't get talked about as much when, when at least in conversation I have with about Max Payne three, and I have them often, uh, is the level at the dock when he's trying to rescue Fabiana. And there's the whole kind of boat shooting. Like running across the jetties and stuff, isn't it? Yeah. And that level, I can't remember who it was, and I will have to look this up at some point, but there was either an author or a kind of literary critic, and and she said that the the, the strongest sense to evoke in in writing is smell. Like if you can make someone really smell an environment or smell a situation, then you've really got right into their mind. And that level in the dock like fucking stinks. (laughs) <laughs> you know, Max has got his hair like kind of glued to his forehead and he's covered in mud and he's got like kind of a, that bloody arm he's still got from the stadium yes, shooter. Yeah, yeah. And it really feels kind of fecal and like fetid. And because uh, he checks the water, yeah. doesn't he, before he gets into it? It's like there's, yeah. there's tons of these tiny little touches where if it was, say, uh, anyone from Gears of War, it would be, you know, they'd hit the beachhead. But they don't. Like, Passos pulls up and, you know, because he puts a silencer on just after that. And he, he goes to get out the boat and then he looks in the water and you're not sure whether the water itself is unclean or he thinks that there's something in there. But just with just a tiny little movement of his head, he's like, you know, is not all action, even though he is technically. But the, just the look of him like, oh, oh. There's, a, there's a sense in that whole level that Max is contracting something (laughs) malaria or cholera or something just just from being here um and it does it it makes the whole thing that that little more like tangible gives that that bit of bite um but you don't get in games like even the most violent games are are so like airy sometimes and max Payne 3 goes to really extensive lengths to make you feel like you're there Uh, yeah there wasn't often where i where, where i kind of Weirdly, the hotel, yeah, the organ, the organ hotel. I didn't, I didn't vibe that as an environment. That did feel kind of thrown in there. It just felt, it felt like a generic kind of, uh, kind of action uh, horror game setting. Yeah, like broken I think down. That, that's yeah. the weakest level, I'd say. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other, the other thing I didn't, I don't like about it. I generally don't like these in games anyway. But and I'd forgotten about them until I replayed it. But Max Payne has QTEs. 
it has fucking you know quickly press this mm. or quick you know quickly do this some of the time it's the slow motion shoot grenades out the air i mean you know the end boss you know again very big air quotes you know you beat him by shooting one of his own rockets you know out of the air and there are bits of like there's a bus there's the boat and there's a helicopter bits where you're just hanging off the side of a vehicle kind of with infinite ammo just like laying waste to people and i just think yeah in those points it's a little bit it loses me a little bit. And and also the the, the QTEs are because they kind of come out of nowhere, some of them. It's like, oh shit. Like you, you're in this momentum of a game, lurching from this shootout to the next, to this fucked up situation, to you know, crashing through a door, and then boom, all of a sudden you've got to press this thing real quick and you fuck it up and it's like, you know, you get the kind of three stage dun 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 dead. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, oh no, that you, that you didn't need these here, Rockstar, really. I like the bus one. Uh, I like the bus one because it, it turns into that great sort of ugh, fuck me if you're using military terms like I know what I'm talking about. It turns into that great sort of static defense section where you're just in the back of the bus shooting out through the, the broken window or these guys yeah, like that. Yeah, that, but that's there's, a, there's a terrible quick time event during the Marcelo death sequence and I forget the name of the character now. What well, he's the, barely the, in the, it. Scarred up, the scarred up yeah. face. Yeah, he's one of the the, the what are they called? The not commando, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And he's got a massive machete, right? Yeah, and you've seen him a few times up until this point, and it, it, it's sort of barely implied that there's going to be some sort of, you know, encounter with him. And it's like you just tap three buttons and kill him in a. In a, it, in a it's, it's literally left trigger, right trigger, A, I think. Yeah, she's such know, a press such A to put his own knife in his own neck. Yeah. Um, such an anticlimax. Yeah, there's a few of them. Like, I, I mean, I genuinely felt, and I, 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 I said this on Twitter, and a few people said, "No, the ending's great." You know, I thought by the time we got to the ending, you know, already it was really over long. There are some great bits in that final level. You mentioned the music. That's when the music, the, the people who did the music, health. They kind of, kind of, you know, they, they kind of hit their crescendo, I suppose, mm. with, with a track called "Tears" as you're plowing through this this airport terminal, and you know, there's even you, know, you can get some vocals in there as well. It's like suddenly becomes a almost like a you know a murderous music video or something but then yeah the kind of qte end and it feels a bit anti like an anti-climax for me and 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 all of those kind of quick now it's over qte things do i think the end of the game for me is the it is in the airport and it's uh becker is standing on top of this metal stairs with a grenade launcher and there's a i can't remember what the track is called uh, but it's another. It is another one by Health. Oh, it's going to annoy me now. That I can't remember the name of it. There's, there's one it. after Tears. Yeah, where where and it's just it's just drums. Exactly, exactly. And that to me is like that's the swell of that game. That is the the fucking moment in that yeah. game. Well, that just, carries it, over, doesn't it? Into the there's a chase right at the end where you, that's you the bit to, it doesn't you, need. You have to shoot. <laughs> oh my god, they're blocking the runway. Yeah, and, you know there, there's there's nothing to it. You just point a gun and cars explode in front of you <laughs> yeah again there are bits of padding here that's that's a but big, everything big is every level i feel is just about 10 to 15 minutes too long like every single one uh even the levels that i really love the panama canal bit is you know is fantastic and then the and that's one of the levels where you can really explore because you have all the the cabins and you, yeah. you, you know, when he goes Even in there, when you get out, you're in a visitor center, which is yeah, cool. which is kind of cool. You know? And then there's just another bit that goes on and on and on, and then suddenly they're zip lining in, and it's just the natural beat for it to kind of end is often missed by quite some distance. And especially, mm. I mean, I I kind of 
like the very end of it with the plane. Is he trying to take off and you, you get the... Uh, He's, well, they're, they're, they're taxiing at least. Yes. Yeah. You, yeah. I mean, it's not anywhere near as bad as the latest James Bond where he shoots the helicopter down with a pistol over uh, by the Houses of Parliament. Do not talk to me about that. <laughs> thankfully, but, I've not seen But it. at the same time, I, you know, but again, actually the bits that I didn't like in the airport were the, almost those middle sections where you're running through another atrium and yeah. all there is is guys in armour. Even though the soundtrack is amazing there, I felt they could have just lost one of those. Well, like mm-hmm. you said, that's like a double, you basically repeat the, the same yeah. thing. Yeah. So, and the same, you know, when you get to the top of the building, when you're when, at the very start of the game, and suddenly you have to get in the helicopter again, you're like, you know what, I just, no. And yeah. the, the stadium, now, when they previewed the game, the stadium was the game that they that we saw. And uh, that was where we saw all of the really cool mechanics for the first time, like the way, uh, you know, the way, the way the game operates generally uh, in terms of how Max uses uh, his body, how he uses his weapons, how he holds the weapons, all of that. But then he, by the end of it, you're in a sniper, another sniper sequence. And there's a great moment in the bleachers where you just run out and leap. And you're like, you feel like you're 500 feet in yeah, the air, like oozing the steps people. steps away below you. And the steps yeah. are obviously descending away from you. But then you're like, oh, now we're back into another atrium, another bit, another bit of the stadium. And there, to me, that's where it kind of really falls down because it has all this extra padding and then goes yeah but there's also a subplot about hearts and that and you're like yeah. i don't care about these people i care about max and his drinking <laughs> i might have been more into the hearts and lungs and stuff if if it had been better teased earlier rather than just walking into a you know you kind of go okay they're taking people away what are they doing it for like, yeah. yeah maybe that's one of a hundred possibilities they're taking them away to code the levels for the rest of this game because we keep <laughs> on putting more of them in it's a well it's a big team i mean the development costs i mean i don't sorry to mention something quite prosaic this late into the podcast but it cost well supposedly in the region of 105 million dollars to make which is more than red dead uh cost uh but it sold or it shipped sorry around about four million which take two had said was the amount they needed to sell to begin breaking even so no more Max Payne then, guys. Pretty much is what. <laughs> well, we're, there you go. What we're looking at. It was out. Oh, see, it was, I, I don't know about that, right? Because I, I like to think that Rockstar don't really care that much these days about money. I'm trying to. Well, I swear, there's another game they that might sold, not, but Take Two bad, certainly do. But they, yeah. yeah, I suppose Take Two. Does. But it had a lot of problems, didn't it? I mean, I remember when it wasn't it announced in 2009, yeah. and then immediately went dark. And Again, Red, Red Dead Revolver sounded like sort of like shite, didn't it? Yeah, and I got to see. Yeah, it did. They didn't. I thought that Capcom made no Capcom was no, making it originally, they, weren't they? And then, yeah, they took started, over. Yeah. And uh, there seemed to be a lot of those issues with Rockstar. In, I mean, if you remember that GTA 4 was delayed uh, by six months, and that was unheard of really at the time because you know you had those smaller development cycles. Vice City came out what a year, well, and yeah, then yeah, obviously, then you went to two years, and then you're up to, and then and the, with San Diego for Red Dead Redemption. Um, and then there was the issues with Max Payne as well. It seems like their kind of reach was almost exceeding their grasp and the things that they wanted to do. And it costs a lot of money to staff up. And like a lot of those projects would have just been, if not binned, put into turnaround yeah. or whatever. So in terms of its, you know, the costing, the gross cost as, as quoted, I, I, you know, I think they're, they're making so much cash and Max Payne is still a name. 
that they could learn the lessons yeah. basically and go right is this is this the kind of game i mean three i mean you know we're obviously talking about it because we would encourage people to play it yeah. um is it the kind of game that that would benefit at least from a red dead style backwards compatibility kind of xbox one now you can play this on your new system and you say it's still available for pc mm-hmm. i don't see it being a you know remaster candidate but but at least making it so that you don't need a 360 or a ps3 to play it on would be something mm. yeah if they if they put it onto the playstation 4 shop like they have done with basically with, with, know, a, with bull, everything bull, else bully yeah bully's on there the warriors is on there i think now, they've not gone as far back as Smuggler's Run because <laughs> nobody gave a fuck about Smuggler's Run. Um, but There's yeah, they, they've, on there they've put lots of stuff on there. Is table tennis on there? Oh, come mm, on now. Not that I know of. You know, why wasn't table tennis ever a mini game in, a, in a, another Rockstar game? That kind you, of it is, isn't it? it? Like, well, can't you, in GTA 5, you can play tennis, tennis. You can, can't you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. No mini games, no Rockstar style mini games in Max Payne 3, but you can watch the TV. I yeah. noticed, and and like I said, there's there's pian- moments where he can play the piano, but uh, yeah, those TV things are weird. Do you think those are hangovers from? Do you think the TV? Well, so there's, there's like a whole TV show in there. Well, they, I think baseball the, the other ones, boy. baseball bad boy, in, in the other games, uh, as I was saying earlier, you know, when he says I'm in a, a video game, it's the whole game is about you being in a video game and you knowing that you're in the video game. And Captain Baseball Bat Boy often refers to things that you've done or foreshadows things that you will be doing. Uh, and, you know, at one point you get tied to a chair and you fight your way out with Captain Baseball Bat Boy's Baseball Bat, essentially. Or you see something like that and then it happens. Um, and, yeah, that's, I think that's the, the bit of the difference between, between the games. But, yeah, I, think, I actually think it's a game... That it, that it gets stronger, uh, like because I, as I said, I reviewed it years and years ago, and yet it's still floating around in my brain. And I think because it's because exactly of those reasons that we've talked about that and Alien Isolation. Occasionally, I just think, man, I really like Alien Isolation. Isolation is is very but that was well long, though, wasn't, wasn't it? it? Yeah. Oh yeah. Very too, long. Another game that <laughs> suffered from padding. Yeah. But weirdly, one that didn't was was which which obviously has had a bit of a, or enduring a bit of renaissance right now because it's coming out on PC is Vanquish. That kind of floats around the same area as Max Payne 3 for me as a previous gen game that I think about yeah. a lot and would like to replay and, yeah. and I probably will replay now my 360 setup. But um uh just just between us guys, I mean uh, I want to read out just a few tweets, but like any kind of closing thoughts on Max Payne 3 that we haven't maybe touched upon yet? You know, Ed, I know you you probably got lots of ideas that you have lots of thoughts that you haven't been able to say yet. I think the the closing uh, recommendation I'd give for Max Payne 3, and it is a recommendation, even though it's it's a, a game that's not without its uh, shortfalls. But Max Payne 3, if if you talk about, I don't know, this is, this is a, a particularly uh, flowery comparison, so forgive me. But if you talk about how certain <laughs> certain film directors have perfected certain techniques, like uh, John Huston and the Western and whatever, and P.T. Anderson and the long shot. Max Payne 3 is the shootout. Like no, no game has done shootouts, just purely like focus so much on shootouts and got them so right. Um, and it's worth playing just for that. Yeah. Five of that? Yeah, I, mean, I agree. I think those, I think that the, 
further to that, it's just what we were talking about, just that the game um, the game actually gets better in terms of uh, Max himself, not the story, but the character. Um, or more interesting, the more you play it and the more you pick up. Because a lot of the delivery of his dialogue is very curt or, you know, snidely, you know, phrased. Or, But it's when you go back, there are lines that I just did not remember being in there. And, yeah, it's just very interesting after another five years of man with gun handles scenario, yeah. Max's gun handles this scenario up into the point where everyone dies and then makes everything much worse. Yeah, yeah. The more he kills, the worse it gets for the most part. Um, I, yeah, quite a few people um, seem to be quite engaged with with this game when I asked for any comments or questions I mean I'll, I'll, I'll just read out a few um, we've obviously mentioned oh that, that violent death scene by the way comes from an at lithium project so thanks for them regarding Becker's demise um, at John Jin he says he was never been a fan of horde modes but if ever there was a game crying out for it it's Max Payne 3 the best shooter but with too many cutscenes which kind of goes bang there is an arcade with, mode though there is an arcade mode isn't there which is which has no of, cutscenes yeah I play, it's, that is quite, it's a good way to to actually experience the game once you've finished it. Um, But yeah, I know in terms of like a properly made or, you know, for that Horde experience. But I, you know, arcade mode's fairly cool. Yeah. Quite a few people said about the, well, Jamie Otzer, at Jamie Otzer, my main question was why it's nowhere near as good as the first two and says that Max Payne 3 broke his heart. Expectation is a terrible thing, my friend. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Uh, Max Payne 3, this is from um, Belarius. Max Payne 3 what, at, on Twitter wasn't a good Max Payne game, but it was an excellent stranglehold follow-up. Oh, no. <laughs> no. Oh, no. Hey, on. listen. listen. I on, never man. played John Wu's stranglehold. stranglehold was a long time ago, and I kind of liked it. Stranglehold is, <laughs> stranglehold is a shambolic. Like, I don't mind the game, but... We should point out, yeah, this is this is, that's a very early Xbox 360 Strang- game, isn't it? Yeah. Stranglehold is... It's meant to be like a John Woo thing. And yeah. John Woo's movies are like balletic and choreographed and whatever. And Stranglehold, you're just bumbling. Like it's very, it's very scrappy and very whatever. Max Payne 3, as we talked about, I think for a lot of the show, is cohesive. The, the, the fights are quite lumbering at times, but it, it feels sort of, there's a poetry between it and everything else that's going on in the game. Stranglehold's just a mess. I've, I mean, I've seen it plenty of times for like 50 pence and I've never picked it up, which probably Still tells right. us something. I bought, I bought it now. I bought it there. But then, you know, I had, you know, what else was there to play? Well, <laughs> yeah, exactly. When you first got the PS3, it was Stranglehold, The Darkness, and Modern Warfare. Hey, The Darkness is all right. Yeah, I love the Sequel's it. much I mean, better. Yeah, oh, controversial. Oh, sequel's much better. This is a whole other sequel's podcast. We'll, we'll get on to this later. It's the 10th anniversary of The Darkness in a few weeks. Well, we listen, do this again. We'll do it. We'll do it. We'll do it. <laughs> it's got Mike Patton in it. I'm writing about that right now, Mike Patton, for the magazine. Uh, anyway, uh, Richard Wakeling, who's who's written for us before, he says he loves how Max's appearance changes. It reflects his, reflects his mental state leading to the, obvi- the obvious symbolism of shaving his head. We did kind of mention he shaves his head, but I mean, there's no... This is after Fabiana dies and he is it after no it's no it's it not uh, it's not yeah, after it is. is it because he's, he's it's after he's she's the, um after he fails to no it's, it's after, after the, he fails to catch her at the dock it's after the, the explosion at the office it's after the office he goes explosion, into the yeah. Fella. yeah yeah i mean is that is that on the nose then or was it it was all right i mean i mean it's uh did he have nits some, from his <laughs> apartment <laughs> which was minging <laughs> it's something you get in um there used to be a net by this but there still is a name for it i mean i used to remember the name for it uh, in noir movies, there's right. usually a scene where the character like shaves or removes their hair or sort of dresses themselves properly right. for several the whole time because they're preparing for the sort of 
uh, confrontation. It's like yeah, a kind of yeah. purging moment. And I think that it's, yeah, it's one of those. That's what that represents. It's amazing that we've got this far into this podcast. That's the first time anyone said noir for, huh. for a game series that was, that was entirely rooted yeah, in that. Yeah. Yeah. Was was was. I don't think Max Payne is at all. You, I mean, there's bits of it, the cemetery bit, maybe. They call it neo noir. <laughs> yeah, which just makes me think of the Matrix. What with all the jumping around, bullet dodging, doesn't mm. it? But uh, yeah, um, thanks to everyone that. Oh, shall I, should I mention him? Why not, Kurt McKean? We know him, don't we? Oh, we do. He's we do know. Kurt. He just said. He just. He just said, "Good game, but too many cutscenes." I think. I think that's. And unfortunately, you know, Max Payne three's unfortunate legacy in a way. There are. There are. It's not. There's too many, but. They, they use just them a to bit, cover up the loading, don't they? They do, and there's a lot of that. Yeah. Yes, even even now. Um, sorry to mention it, it's just what I'm playing it on. But you think yeah. five years later, on you know the PC, you so you can skip some of the cutscenes, but then if you hit a button, it just says still loading, still loading, as if you're yeah, being told yeah. off. Like don't, yeah, not now, yeah. not now, mate. Yeah. Don't rush us. <laughs> It'd be like it's five years, okay? Like, <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. still need a super PC to run yeah. it, probably, yeah. Um, well, cool. I mean, thanks, guys. Um, and thank you for listening to us talk about Max Payne 3 for a whole bunch of time. I was going to ask you guys what you've been playing more recently, but frankly, I can't be asked. I don't play video games No, anymore. you don't. And Ed, I think you've been... Uh, you, what have you been doing for bullet points, Ed? For your uh, your bullet points? We're doing, we're doing Prey this month, and I need to get I need to get cracking with it. Well, I, I finished a game earlier this week or last week. Oh, oh God, I'll tell you what I've been playing. <laughs> I know what I've been playing. I went and got because I'm I'm planning to do something on it, and because I'm go I'm doing my annual rewatch of all the Bond films and reread of all the Bond novels because I'm a freak. You're a bit of a yeah. You've got a Bond book in you at some point, Edwin. I, I, I've yeah, maybe yeah. That'd be great. Um, so I went and bought uh, 007 Bloodstone from 2000. Best five out of ten game of all time. <laughs> that is a game that I think like eight people bought. <laughs> and I, yeah, I finished that the other day. So that, that it's a, a game by a driving like, developer by Bizarre Creations, where shit, the driving yeah, is it, terrible. Yeah, yeah, After yeah. Blur, the, the driving is so is terrible, yeah. and the shooting yeah. is just that game just, killed oh, Bizarre. I, I, when it I was did. playing the driving, I was like, "How on earth have these guys done?" <laughs> but presumably, it's because the driving guys were making Blur. And the other yeah, guys I in mean, the office were making. But you think they'd go, thing. guys, that we're having a bit of trouble with the old, Do you know the old thing about we're famous car for? Physics. <laughs> Maybe yeah, I've never like... played it, but yeah, oh dear. Well, that's 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 not so good. Um, I've been playing. I was playing Thumper this morning on the Switch. Oh, I'm glad that's coming to the Switch. Yeah, Thumper, Thumper's a game. In fact, if it, in fact, if you like the health soundtrack to Max Payne Three, you'll probably like the music in Thumper as well. Um, it's pretty pretty pounding. Um, where on earth? in the wild west of the internet can people find you chaps if they want to follow you and listen to your inane tweets listen to them read them oh, what a terrible thing to say well they're not always well, the inanity of the last yeah. lie was well you it? just talk about golden uzis golden uzis uh, which incidentally yeah even... I have the golden uzis I, I realised today when I booted it up that yeah. I have the gold I was actually a Mac 10 but listen uh, yeah <laughs> Jim Burns Dave is that's me and my boys our production company yeah and I, we do like videos and I didn't even mention that you make films Steve sorry yeah, we, you know we made the we made the best Resident Evil movies of all time there you go that's a fact you that's go. a fact you can find them on, you on can. the internet uh, Ed I mean obviously you, you you write for Waypoint on the on the, on the the regular pretty much but you do bullet points as well uh, what else is going on for you I mean bullet uh, points everyone should check out it's a great podcast and website I should add that uh, the, the university course that I went on and the university that I went to was the same one attended by Paul W.S. Anderson, who did the Resident Evil films. Paul Wankstein Anderson. Was, yeah, he was, he was, 
you know, a, a beloved son of the Warwick University Film well, Studies Because he did shopping. Uh, <laughs> I bet that's the fucking reason, isn't it? And also, I saw American, Splend- American Splendor in Warwick at the university, and it broke. The projector broke, and it took me about five minutes to, to realize that the projector had actually broken. <laughs> and it wasn't oh, yeah. just the film being the film, you know? So, there you go. Well, good. Uh, Ed, where can people... And you're, on, you're on Twitter as well, obviously, but if people want to follow you. Because you, you mainly tweet about your video game stuff, to be fair. Yeah, sorry. I, I, the, the audio blanked out there for a second, so I don't know if you said anything that I've missed. But yeah, you can... Bulletpointsmonthly.com uh, is the website where we, where we write about shooters, me and some other people. And yeah, yeah I'm, on, I'm, on, I'm on Twitter. Just put Ed Smith Waypoint and you can find me on Twitter. And, and do that yeah uh, while you're on Twitter you can follow Waypoint at Waypoint you can find us on Facebook please do at Waypoint Vice you can follow our streams on Twitch at forward slash Waypoint you can visit the Waypoint website which is waypoint.vice.com which is where we put all the wonderful stuff including the podcasts the videos and tens and hundreds of articles written by fantastic people about fantastic things uh, Thanks for. I always say tuning in. No one tunes into a podcast, do they? What granddad speak That's is old, this? Old patter, that is. Um, the next <laughs> Waypoint podcast, though, is live on June the 1st when Steve, you're coming back. I've got here in my notes that you're coming back. These are the facts. These are I mean, allegedly uh, the facts. For E3. Yeah, we're going to try and talk a little bit about what may or may not be happening at E3 because you're going. Yeah. I'm not going. Yeah. But, but we, we've both been. Up. We've both been. We've been we've been there um thanks again to my guests steve burns and ed smith thank you for listening to us waffle on about max Payne 3 do check it out it's one of the last generation's more interesting man with guns destroys lots of other men with gun games have a lovely rest of your day bye Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.